Aloha and welcome to See the Art in Me Starving Christian Artist Podcast, where you will mature in your faith and knowledge of hardcore Bible truths by seeing the art in Christ through the gifts and talents He's given us. I'm a starving Christian artist hungry for the Word of God, and during each podcast, my goal is to help you experience the art in Christ by reading from the good book and finding connections, sharing a real-life testimony, and experiencing something created that honors and glorifies our Creator God. I hope you'll join us. This week I'm going to focus on an experience I had recently with a family member and actually kind of experienced in my marriage as well. There are attacks on our families right now. So I'm going to share my experience and what I learned through the experience. I made a lot of mistakes, but I think I did a lot of things right as well. But it wasn't until I turned to the Word of God and I really got something out of Philippians 4. So that is what our our study will be on as I share my testimony today. I want to start with an introduction to Philippians. I'm going to be reading from Philippians 4 today, so I'm starting with the last chapter. But I think it's important for you to have a background. So in the book of Philippians, um, this is Paul's second journey to bring the gospel to the Gentile world. And he helped start a church in the city of Philippi. You can read about this in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 40. This was a colony of retired Roman soldiers, and the Philippians became Paul's friends and supporters for the rest of his life. So when they heard that he was in Rome as a prisoner, they collected money that assisted him, and they sent it with one of their members, and this was a man named Epaphroditus. Later, Paul sent him back with a letter to thank the Philippians for their friendship and support. So this is the letter um, that Paul wrote which is in the Bible. It consists of four chapters. At this time, Paul knows the Philippians were experiencing a lot of opposition. So he appeals to his own life as an example of how to respond to hardship with joy. Throughout the whole palace guard, right in the center of Caesar's realm, Paul is boldly making the royal announcement that Jesus is Lord. Paul desires that the Philippians gain some confidence and that they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So in an amazing hymn, Paul urges the Philippians to have the servant attitude that Jesus had. He didn't grasp his high position, but he humbled himself, even to the point of death, all for the sake of others. This is the new way to be human that is revealed in God's kingdom. Our citizenship in God's realm is eagerly awaiting the Savior's return. And when the Savior returns, he will transform our lowly bodies to become like his, which is glorious and resurrected and beautiful.
as I said, I'm going to be reading from Philippians 4 today. This is the last chapter of the letter, um, book, epistle. And it's the closing appeal for steadfastness in unity. This is the New International Version that I'll be reading. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Eodia, and I plead with Sintish, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This chapter brings to mind what I've recently experienced with people I love, members of my own family. 
And Yodia and Sintish were two women who were quarreling in the church. And Paul told them to be of the same mind in the Lord. Whatever they were arguing about, they had forgotten that they have a greater common ground in Jesus. And everything else was not important. And we also learn from Paul that they were both faithful workers in the spreading of the gospel. But they had this falling out with each other. And Paul knew the importance of getting this cleared up. In verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Charles Spurgeon says this, I am glad that we do not know what the quarrel was about. I'm usually thankful for ignorance on such subjects. But as a cure for disagreements, the apostle says, Rejoice in the Lord always. People who are very happy, especially those who are very happy in the Lord, are not apt either to give offense or take offense. Their minds are so sweetly occupied with higher things that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures as we are. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. These are wise words from Spurgeon, but they can be very hard to follow when we're caught up in the moment and we allow our offenses to rule the day. We want to dump all the reasons we have to be offended on the offender, and we want the offender to hear and entertain our many criticisms about them because we feel justified. But Paul is instructing us to do the opposite and to not become accusers, but to be gentle and give our offenses to God. In verse 5 he says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So Paul is encouraging gentleness, the kind of gentleness that Jesus showed with the adulterous woman and with the woman at the well. These were very sinful women, but Jesus knew how to show love and a holy gentleness. When we're gentle with others, we give our offenses to the Lord and we let the Lord fight our battles for us. Because we know that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That's in Romans 12, 19. Paul is describing a person who is truly free to let go of anxieties and all the things that cause stress because he knows that the Lord will take it on and fight the battle for us. The battle that's already been won. But Satan, he wants us to fight in the flesh where he has dominion. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come to give you life and life abundantly. So Satan wants to divide us, but we can't give in to that. We must show the same gentleness to all, not just those that we choose. In verse 6, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And this is a command. This isn't an option. We have to give it all to God and ask Him to handle it. And when we do this with a trusting and thankful heart, it guards us from whining and complaining and alienating those closest to us. And if we are whining and complaining, we are alienating those closest to us. We're pushing them away. And this commandment in verse 6, 
is a commandment that comes with a very sweet promise. Because in verse 7, Paul says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So when I was, um, when I was approached by the person I offended, I honestly believed that I was at a point in my life where I could trust in this peace that surpasses my understanding. And I was just peacefully going along through my life. But then I was blindsided by complaints against me and what felt like a question of my character. And I became very hurt and I lost that peace. I was offended and I began hurling it back. But then um, I realized, you know, we were both feeling very attacked and betrayed. And David Guzik, an author and Bible commentator, says this, When people seem to lose their heart or mind, it often is connected to an absence of the peace of God in their lives. The peace of God then does not act as a guard for their hearts and minds. So I began lacking this peace. I, in that moment of offense, was not walking in step with the Lord. I was not until I decided to surrender the situation to God, who showed me how to be more gentle in my handling of the situation. I had to ask God to examine my own heart and to reveal any shortcomings. In verse 8, Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Paul is encouraging us to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And when I finally made the decision to do this, the healing process began. And I'm the first to admit that it's going to be a process. It is still being worked out. A lot of damage was done. Trust was broken. And we are flawed human beings. But God's on our side. And I'm going to trust in that peace that surpasses all understanding. And I'm going to meditate on all of these things that Paul tells me to meditate on in verse 8. Finally, he encourages us to be content and to follow his example. And I'm going to leave it here. And I'm going to pray now, not only for myself and the relationships that I struggle in, but I'm going to pray for you too in your own relationships because I know that we all deal with this, especially in our marriages and in our familial relationships where we feel more comfortable to speak our minds sometimes. So, dear God, please put an end to the quarreling going on in marriages and in other familial relationships. God, help us to see that all of our offenses and our criticisms do so much to destroy relationships and they do very little to heal. When we are discontented, when we're angry, when we're offended, help us to come to understand that our discontented heart 
is not the other person's problem to fix, but our own. Please help us give our offenses to you, God, and to forgive the offender. If there's anything else I need to apologize for and repent of, please bring them to my attention. And I pray that for everyone listening to this podcast right now. Lord, in my situation, I believe I've done everything I can. And I'm entrusting this into your gentle hands. And I do trust you. And I love you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before I end this podcast, I want to share a song that my daughter and I recorded two years ago, 2020, around the same time when I was going through breast cancer. She was there to support me, and I was the worship leader at our church, and this is the way we were doing church. We were taping it, recording it, and then putting it out to the members. So this is a song that we did, and I think it's very appropriate for today. And I just, I feel so blessed to have a daughter that I can worship with. And we have had our share of conflict, but God has always healed our relationship and brought us closer together. And you can see why probably after you hear this song, why our relationship is always under such attack. So I hope it blesses you the way that my daughter blesses me and the music that we create together by the grace of God. Enjoy. The service today by singing a song. This is becoming one of my new favorites. It's called Waymaker, and I encourage you guys to look it up on your own if you enjoy um, singing this with us today. And um, just declare it over your life and declare it over who God is. It's called Waymaker, and we're just going to do it for you here today for the first time <laughs> with you for the first time
God is our creator. Genesis 1-1 tells us so. We were created in his image, so that makes us creators too, using the good gifts God has given us, that is. If you have a gift and a testimony you'd like to share on this podcast, please email me at Miss Dawn at AOL.com. Thank you.